0: Hey everyone, this is this is supposed to be the Jaws episode, instead it's gonna be Matt fucking complains about Windows ten for nine hours.
1: Uh, Plug-in
0: doesn't work, fucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> instead of the shark killing the girls, just you rising out of the water, cursing out humanity.
0: Just hitting people over the head with my laptop. <laughs>
1: Uh, Hello, welcome again to the Waffle Press Movie Podcast, Matt. We're just gonna dive right on into this one. Uh, our last retrospective, people seem to like it. I mean, everyone who, who listened to it, it wasn't like thousands of people, but it was hundreds of people, so that's cool. Thank you that was for that. a handful. Yeah, yeah. So, hey. thank you for that. Uh, Thanks, Alien everyone. Cool. Yeah, uh, people were just as divided with the Alien Covenant one as uh as we were so not in the but, comments section no definitely not in the comments everyone <laughs> agreed with the, the two people <laughs> Brandon, yeah there still.
0: were the two people that co- bothered to comment agreed with me so
1: fuck you i'm batting a thousand <laughs> well you know what the rest of the world is just as split as we are and yeah
0: It'll that's be
1: fine. To see where, it's not.
0: It's not where... a movie that I'm like willing to die on the hill. Being like, you're all you motherfuckers <laughs> are wrong. I just, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah.
1: But, it, it's no Jurassic World for you.
0: Yeah, it's no Jurassic World. Like, if you like that, just fucking fuck off. <laughs> I really did. I I have no time for
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> but what you do have time for is Steven Spielberg's original blockbuster masterpiece, Jaws.
0: gave him
1: Jaws. (laughs) Jaws! Yes, which is a surprise uh, retrospective that we're dropping on Shark Week. We're recording earlier, obviously, because no human has 12 hours to do four podcasts (laughs) back-to-back. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Shark Week's getting off to a fucking wild start.
0: Fuck yeah, sharks are all up in this place. I haven't watched Shark Week in like fucking 10 years, but hey.
1: I don't either. I just see the clips on YouTube, and I like sharks.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean, as a kid, like just anyone who doesn't know me, Jaws is my all-time favorite movie. And as a kid, it like permeated everything I did, so sharks were a huge interest for me. So Shark Week was like a big deal when I was a kid. And, like, I, I watched it obsessively. And just a side tangent, but uh, there was a, there, I think the last Shark Week I watched, it was because I felt ripped off, uh, they built up for, like, a month that they caught, like, an actual shark attack on tape. And it was, like, you, like, like they, you know, playing all the scary music, it's like, you won't believe, it. it's never before captured on camera. And, like, they just kept building up, and I watched it, and it's literally like a bull shark bites a guy in the leg. (laughs) And he, like, shakes it off, like a baby bull shark. (laughs) Like, it was the – and I was like, fuck this. And I think that broke my shark week watching.
1: (laughs) So there you go. uh, That's disappointing. I I haven't seen that. Yeah, you don't need to. (laughs) And
0: now in the age of YouTube, if you do have that morbid curiosity, you can just type in shark attack and then you'll regret doing it because you're like, no, nah, that wasn't, I didn't really need to see that. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm good you with think you do when you're eight, but you don't want to see
1: that. But Jaws, on the other hand, is the opposite of disappointing. And I had no idea it was your favorite movie. So that's cool. Oh, no, it's
0: Jaws is hands down my all time favorite film. Um, nothing has even come close. I mean, part of it is that it's kind of like the gateway drug for me to, like, everything else in my life. Um, I saw Jaws when I was three years old. Uh, Over at my grandparents' house one summer, and uh, watching good old Land Before Time 2, which is, you know, a happy little film with a bunch of singing and dinosaurs and whatnot. And, Back in the day when you had a VHS tape, if you remember, you used to have to put your TV on a certain channel when you wanted to watch a movie. Everyone remember this? Oh, yeah. But as soon as you hit stop, turn the power off, uh, it would go right back to basic cable. So I I did that, or my grandparents did it. I probably didn't know how to operate the VCR. Right at the moment, the shark popped out in front of Roy Scheider, (laughs) chucking the chum off the boat and scared the shit out of me. And luckily, uh, my dad was there. And, like, like, I didn't, like, you know, it wasn't, like, like crying, scared, but it was, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I didn't expect that. And he convinced me to stay through it to the end, which I think helped because I got to see what happened. And ever since then, and then, like, I immediately, like, my dad explained to me what it was, and I immediately went out to a California video and rented it. And I just watched it over and over again. And it just, and it basically led, it opened my doors to just being really interested in the ocean and being really interested in movies. So, so Jaws is an important movie to me.
1: Oh, that's super cool. Uh, yeah. it is not my favorite and it's not my formative movie. I think for me that that'd be Jurassic park. I was, I was roughly the same mm-hmm. age that you saw. jaws. That's a good anyway. one. Yeah. So both Spielberg pictures. Funny. Yeah. Enough, um, but Jaws is, is, I mean, it's incredible. Jaws is, is one of the best movies ever. I think that's just, like, a unanimous thing. I don't know if there's yeah. any on the planet that saw Jaws and was like, oh, okay. You
0: know? Uh, if you are Sean of the No Totally po- podcast.
1: No fucking way. Yeah. And that was Sean when, like, Michael- I was
0: first getting to know Sean. <laughs> and I was like, you know, hey, he did an episode on Jaws. I should listen to that. And I sent him an angry message because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I don't know I mean I can he's wrong because he just is but really? maybe if you're fucking saturated with everything that came after Jaws but Jaws is one of those movies where the world was different after it came out in many different ways so I don't know but I think, I think Jaws still holds up and is just an endlessly watchable movie like if it's on I'll just watch it I'll, I'll stop whatever
1: I'm doing. Just put it on. Oh, it's totally one of those movies. And I yeah. it's one of those movies that, you know, obviously, uh, given our ages, uh, it doesn't play in theaters. We, we missed the opening weekend that changed yeah. the blockbuster movies. For, or I guess kind of invented the blockbuster even, right?
0: Yeah, this is the one that gets credit for the blockbuster, and I think that's accurate.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, it was a summer, summer release, and it
0: was the first time they released, you know, a movie in major markets at the same time, instead of you know, movies opened at different times around the country before then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last, and it was
1: last summer. I had the the pleasure of watching Jaws on the big screen for the first time at my local theater, fuck. and it was amazing. Like, fuck every, yeah! Every, you just feel like the anticipation in the audience when the big moments are gonna happen. Everyone kind mm-hmm. of like laughs together, cheers together. Like it's it's one of those just communal mm-hmm. theater experiences. And of course, yeah, it's one sees of those... when the shark fucking blows up.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw it too. Um, I've seen Joss a few times in theaters, as you oh, might imagine. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably seeing it again in theaters uh, this weekend. So uh, it's luckily playing near me. Um, and uh, it played on my birthday last year. So that was a big. that was oh, that's fucking amazing. awesome. Yeah, I, was, I got real lucky. The only problem was it was a. It, not to get, I've seen the movie so many times I can pick up on like any little flaw. And I, uh, it was a digital, you know, projection of the movie as opposed to a film projection. And there is a difference. I'm not, I don't want to go like full Tarantino on everyone. No, There is a difference. Absolutely. There is a difference. Um, and so like, but that's just no one else in that audience noticed that. And everyone else was, you you can tell like families coming in, you know, maybe introducing it to other family members for the first time. Um, and it's just—it's just so good. It's just like a perfect movie. It's got everything you want in it.
1: You know, it—it's like a—it's almost like a four-quadrant movie, like the ones that mm. blockbuster movies try to like imitate. Maybe not like in style or tone, but it's like there really is something for everyone. There's a little family dynamic. There's comedy. There's sheer terror. There's action. There's suspense. There's I mean yeah, the, the, the romance has already happened, but it's there too, and it's like it mm. really has everything and when i was watching it on the big screen i hadn't seen it for a while before that and uh i was just like not in tears but it's just it's so ridiculously well made so perfectly directed i was just i was like choking up at points just like yeah this is this is movies
0: i had the same feeling when i saw raiders in theaters I so saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, and there's moments in that movie where you're just like, "Holy fuck!" That's how you make a fucking movie. <laughs> and Jaws is full of moments like that. It, and it's kind of just—it's. I think what the to your four quadrant thing. I mean, I think what Jaws kind of is. In thinking about it, it was it combined, you know, the kind of uh, gritty realness of the se- of '70s movies with the old kind of B monster movie structure. And then the blockbuster film came out of it. That's kind of what happened with Jaws. Because it's, it, it's very, in its DNA, it's very B-monster movie. But it plays it so straight that you don't think that while you're watching it.
1: It's uh, oddly enough similar to Alien, which would we'll do it again later. Uh, exactly. I uh, always mentioned it's a, it's a B-monster movie made with A material. Exactly. Yeah. And when Matt says played straight, there's still moments of levity. So it's not just like overly well, yeah. somber and serious. Well, I blame modern film for this.
0: Like, really fucking up our distinction between like what is fun and what is, you know, straight. Because you can be both. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's the humor in this movie, it's not like there's gags. Like, there's a cut. Like, maybe. But it all develops naturally. Like, it's not. Like there, it's there's nothing forced. There's no like meta dialogue going on in this. Where like no one turns, like no one starts going like, "Hey, this is like a monster movie," or something <laughs> like you know, like you know, if you did it today, you know, if you did a a, a Jaws type movie today, someone at some point in the movie would mention how it was like Jaws, or and that would be considered you know the funnier version of it, or if you went with the harder edged version, it would be jaws but played so straight you're like don't people understand they're making a ridiculous movie at on some level and i don't know modern movies seem to have forgotten how to find that the balance that seemed to come naturally to a lot of movies in the 70s and early 80s
1: why do you think that is before we get into the 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 history of jaws the production and its source material which is like hilarious Uh, yes the quality of the movie uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, why do you think that is?
0: I, I think it might just be. I mean, part of it is that the people who make movies they they want movies to be similar to each other. Like, so when you go to a studio and be like, I want to do another James Bond, but make it more like Dark Knight, and so he's like, 'Cause those are two things that work.' <laughs> and then, I mean, it's I mean, uh, it's a joke, but that's kind of the thinking by some of these Hollywood studios. They want things that are very similar, and they don't know it, it, it kind of distills movies and you can only repeat the same thing so many times and jaws found this out too cuz i mean right after jaws came out you had like dozens of jaws imitators that no one remembers even closely to jaws i mean like there's like orca the killer whale and alligator and like they're and they all are fucking very similar and i like them cuz i like those type of movies <laughs> but they're not even close to Jaws. And that's just what I think happens in Hollywood. I don't know.
1: It's just not, not
0: great thinking, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think uh, that the good movies will always stand out. A lot, of, mm. a lot of shit in the middle of it, but, you yeah, know, the stuff I worth remembering will be remembered. Uh, and I also think a lot of it
0: is a product of insecurity on both ends of the bell curve. like. Just I I hate to do this, but like you know, there's always the Marvel DC comparisons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I think they're the flaws of both of those series are rooted in the same type of insecurities where they want to be taken seriously. And the DC films go like trying to be like ultra serious and hard edged and be like these movies are important milestones, which they aren't, and. They just they, like they, they want to build you up to their importance and like oh these every scene is supposed to be heavy and you can't run a movie like that. And then you go over to Marvel and Marvel doesn't want you to like go like hey these movies are kind of goofy. They want you to be in on the joke, so they're constantly like Hey, isn't it weird that we're fighting like robots <laughs> like at the camera? Like <laughs> constantly. And it's I, I like and both and now, thankfully, both groups have done good and bad movies, so you can like you can see those styles both working and not working. But I still don't like it. I don't like it when it crops up in both.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sorry for that little tangent, but ah, it's just it's a, good, it's a good tangent. Yeah, it's important to discuss. That's why we we do this show. Yeah, Then we talk the shit out of Jaws some more. Fuck yeah. Have you read the book it's based on? Yes, I
0: read the book in high school.
1: I read it in middle uh, school, so I have like little to no recollection of it. But back then, neither, I, I wasn't into it.
0: Neither do I, and it's not a great book. I mean, and I, I don't want to be a dick, because Peter Benchley seemed like a really nice guy. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he fucking rode all the way to the fucking bank when <laughs> they <laughs> fucking picked up his movie. It's just, it's like... It's a great example of how the idea that the book is always better than the movie is fucking bullshit. Um, There's like all these weird subplots in the book about like Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife. Fuck. And like, and then like the mayor, the mayor owes money to like mobsters. And that's part of why he's keeping the beaches open. Um, there's all sorts of like little shit, like and then um, and in the book, you know, Hooper dies in the book, um, and Hooper was going to die in the original in the original incarnation of Jaws, the script, and then they changed it due to uh, difficulties, which we'll get into. And uh, Quint's death in the book is also very uh, anticlimactic. He just gets kind of drowned. He gets uh, dragged under by his own ropes and drowns, kind of like Ahab in Moby Dick. And then uh, the shark just dies. <laughs> it gets stabbed enough times that it just dies. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was not a great book. Um, and Peter Benchley, uh, he would regret writing it um, because he felt that he created you know an atmosphere uh, where people now hated sharks and people started killing sharks more for sport. And sharks are, I don't know if they still are, but they were an endangered species at one point, um, some of them. So people were just kind of going out killing any sharks they could after Jaws came out, like, and it, it got really bad. And so he, he's regretted writing Jaws for those reasons. Although, although years later he wrote a book called The Beast, which was also turned into a TV movie, which is the exact same plot of Jaws except with a giant squid. <laughs> and so he was like, I feel bad for sharks, but fuck giant squids. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah which the, yeah the beast go check that out if you have five hours <laughs> it's the exact same movie as jaws except with a giant squid
1: yo yeah, i actually might because i think giant like squids and octopus or octopi mm. o- whatever the fuck multiple whatever the fuck. Uh, i think those are more scary than sharks to me they are but the movie's not good <laughs> oh okay never mind
0: i mean it's fun if you are into those type of movies You'll find stuff in
1: it. Oh, good. I love I fucking love B-monster movies. Yeah, it's better than
0: anything, like, recently. (laughs) And it's better than, like, you know, there's a movie called Octopus that's just terrible, so don't see Octopus.
1: Okay. But Uh, the beast is all right. And as as for sharks, I I think the species as a whole is doing better, but, I mean, there's handfuls of them that are still, like, endangered. And, Mm. I mean, obviously don't go around killing sharks. They're not actually this dangerous. Usually, yeah.
0: This was it was written at a time where we didn't really understand sharks as well as we do now, and because of Jaws, you know, it boosted interest in marine life. So uh, it led to studies that basically found out the sharks aren't like vicious monsters. <laughs> um, and also, and one thing to point out about the book is that it is everyone kind of goes like, "Did you know Jaws?" You'll hear this really, like do you know Jaws is based on true events? Which it it like very like vaguely is. There were these shark attacks along the east coast in like 1912 and it's even mentioned in the movie jaws for like half a second um and really uh it was more like a media hysteria than an actual shark attack um because it was like three shark attacks kind of happened right near each other three of five and they just kind of said it must have been the same shark in the papers and like you know years later we'd find out that it couldn't have possibly been the same shark um and then people actually went out and killed a shark that had human remains in it so that that was kind of the basis for jaws
1: oh fun history lesson and
0: also there's always been rumors that sharks have been like like, I think like, le- there's legendary examples of great whites that have been 30 feet, but they've never been seen in the wild. So it's very doubtful. Sharks can even get close to 25 feet long. I mean great white sharks. Um, but there was always reports back in the day of being like a dead shark washed up that was 30 feet long, but it was never verified. Um, so that's where you get kind of the monstrous size of Jaws.
1: I mean, how big were Megalodons? Those are like 50 feet, right? Oh, those are
0: huge. Um, Yeah, like, I would say 50 feet. You can't be that off.
1: Yeah, Um, like, that's fucking horrifying.
0: Yeah. Um, Hopefully they'll make a great movie about Megalodons soon, and we can all go see it.
1: (laughs) Oh, Mike, I'm so excited. I need that. I I am too. I hope it's all right. (laughs) If Jason, I will see it. I, if Jason does punches punch the shark, then it is the best movie of twenty eighteen. I don't know if he'll punch it, but some
0: if, if something happens. In, I read the book. We're talking about a book called Meg about a <laughs> megalodon that's being turned into a movie. Um, there's something that happens in that book that is so fucking stupidly ridiculous that if the movie does it, it'll be worth it. All right, I'm excited. Uh, back,
1: to so, yeah. back to Jaws. Back to Jaws. Yeah, there there were some production issues that kind of maybe worked out in the movie favor some uh i think the i think
0: jaws is legendary for it's just how much of a failure of a production it was um which is and also i one thing i had the experience with uh jaws the dvd copy i had as a kid came with a great documentary that explained all these problems, and I, I bet you you can get it with pretty much any release of Jaws. Uh, not not The Shark is Still Working. It's a different documentary um, from, like, the 90s. Uh, and oddly enough, like, that inspired me to get, like, more into film, that documentary. And, it's, and you read about people who were inspired by a book called The Jaws Log, which described the production, the horrible production of Jaws, and it's inspired so many directors, and yet it's a story about basically how much of a nightmare it is to shoot movies. (laughs) Um, The big thing being that uh, for this movie, uh, they needed a a robotic shark, and they built two robotic sharks um, that could be put in the ocean, and that was on like a gurney, and they could raise up and sink. And it worked in all the pools they tested in, but the salt water ate through all the hydraulics. <laughs> so they would literally put it in the water and it would just sink. <laughs> and they w- were dealing with problems with it, like, the whole production. Like, they, I, I think it never... Like, even the shots in the movie we see aren't really it working. <laughs> and the best shots in the movie of the shark, uh, the underwater sequence um, with the cage is actually a mixture of real shark footage, and I think it was shot in a tank, mostly. And that's the best they got out of that robot shark. <laughs> and also, you have to imagine, and Spielberg, it's great. You Honestly, you if you see this documentary, it's amazing, because it's basically Spielberg realizing how much of an idiot he was as a kid. <laughs> because he made like a very big state, and thankfully he was, because it turn into a great movie but he you know was very adamant about shooting in like the real ocean and going out and braving the elements and that ended up being like what fucked him <laughs> and cuz you're out in the ocean cuz here's the thing you don't just real it's not just that that shark doesn't work it's that you are dealing with natural light once you're out on the ocean and and if you're shooting you have to be shooting actors on a boat from another boat as you are being dragged by the tide and as the sun is moving across the sky (laughs) and you have to get you have to do multiple takes of certain scenes. And that's it that's like fucking impossible. (laughs) So uh yeah, it was a hard production.
1: Um do movies movies don't usually go out. I mean even James Cameron didn't film like out on the ocean he was doing Titanic, right?
0: Um, I don't, know. he did, he had to have filmed in some, I think he filmed, like, on the shore, though, because he filmed, like, a real boat sinking that was, like, like only a hundred feet shorter than the actual Titanic. Oh,
1: fucking course. Yeah, um, like, like he uh,
0: built, like, a whole thing that was, and I actually saw it, I was in, you can go see the Titanic in Mexico, because that's where they did it, um, to get around, you know, union labor laws. <laughs> um, and uh, so you can see, it, and it was just basically—I think it was just slightly off the shore. Um, but for Jaws, Spielberg had to go out there, and he because you know it had to look like they were in the middle of the ocean, and it had to look like they were isolated. So there's only a couple. Only by towards the end are they close to shore. And he picked he picked a spot uh, off of Martha's Vineyard. Um, because the, the seafloor was so close, like, it, it didn't get too deep, r- like, really far out, so they could have actually put the gurney on the ocean floor out there, but it also ended up being one of the hardest places to actually shoot a movie like that. So, it, it was, like, everything was working against this fucking movie.
1: And then um, it's one of the best movies ever made, so... Yeah,
0: literally. And, I mean, and, of course, this thing that comes out of it is, you know, art from adversity which is that the shark or the robot shark was supposed to appear in the very opening scene of the movie um, when Chrissy Watkins is killed. And it's supposed to, you know, pop out, go, and kill her. And we would have seen it like immediately. And that would have probably scared people, but it would have, it, it, they were forced to not show the shark. And that created a whole new level of Hitchcockian tension that is really what gives the film its staying power cuz that opening i mean you don't see anything in that opening and it's one of the most brutal scenes in any horror movie of just someone basically screaming to stay alive <laughs> and you and the moment you any audience sees that you have them for the rest of the movie like they're hooked
1: mm-hmm. except for some
0: Except for Sean, apparently. Yeah, Sean. Um, just go fuck yourself. <laughs> Actually, I want to
1: talk about that, because I classify it as a horror movie, but it's, like, not family-friendly or anything, but it's, it's again, to the four-quadrant thing, it's more open. Like, I could recommend yeah. this. It's well. not usually, like, into something like uh, a James Wan movie, you know? Mm. And well, I, now
0: we live in an age of very, like, overproduced horror films and very, like... And I mean... What it what it takes to scare an audience is a lot more than it did in the seventies. Um, but I mean, for if you talk to a certain generation, Jaws is the scariest film ever made. I think like it's not for me, it's it, it's not for me, but I have relatives uh, mostly because a lot of my relatives live near beaches,
1: and they talk about how Jaws like fucked them up. <laughs> um, so it's that, that terror of the unknown, like. Yeah, they don't show the shark, and it's it's all accidental. But even, like, for me at a young age, when I would be out swimming, even in a pool, like, a closed-off body of water, where it's 10 feet deep max, and there's no way something could be in there without us seeing it. If Mm -hmm. if I was under the water, and I was swimming up, again, to catch my breath, or, like, get out of the pool, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, but what if there is something in here? After I saw Jaws. Yeah. It's not outright terrifying, like in short bursts it is, but subconsciously I think it sits with you that something might be right behind you in the water. And on that sense, I think it is one of the scariest movies ever.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and think about it, like part of what makes this movie work so well is that the movie, the opening scene is so scary. I mean, even, like, today, it's still pretty brutal. Like, I wouldn't say it's, like, like you're not really screaming at it, but you're, like, a little unnerved by it. And I still see it work on people. Um, and from that moment, it's, you're basically told every time you're near or in the ocean, there's a shark in there. <laughs> and that's with you for the rest of the movie. And so add on top of that the other deaths. And then once we get out on that boat, and that boat is shot and built in a way that you're always kind of seeing the ocean. So you're ne- so you're always aware of how, like, uh, like that they are basically in Jaws' territory, that whole movie. So that shark could be anywhere that whole film. And that's what makes that, it, it, it doesn't necessarily make it scary, but that's what keeps you just hooked on every little thing that happens.
1: It's a hell of a production design for that boat too. I mean, it's... Yeah. You feel comfortable in it, mm. but then you get those, those wide shots, those landscape shots of it on the ocean, and it's, it does feel very isolated and closed in, like, like claustrophobic. It, 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 well, you know, like just one step, you're dead, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, and
0: they, they, they made the windows on it bigger so you could see more of the ocean. Like, and so, and, and basically, and also like just whenever that boat rocks, I mean that it's, un- you know, you really feel how vulnerable they are whenever like you can just see them kind of riding with the tide. Um, and it's, I mean, and it's not something you sit there, like, you know, really digesting it on like, you know, you you know, it's the classic, you might not have noticed, but your brain did. Mm-hmm. And Jaws is full of shit like that, that just adds all these layers to every scene.
1: All right. Well, that's a good transition into something you wanted to bring up is uh, why certain scenes in the movie are fucking amazing. And kind of yeah. also uh, what I call the Spielberg touch is that his movies, they always feel big and they got a lot of mm. heart and personality, but they're, they don't always deal with big topics. Like Jaws, it's, it's just one shark. It's, it shouldn't be that yeah. big of a deal, but it's still, it still feels scary and you get the, the sense of the impact it makes on this little community on this island.
0: Yeah, and Jaws isn't a movie that you come out watching, like, deeply transformed characters or anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's a lot going on in it. I mean, honestly, Jaws is a... It's kind of weird to think about, because, like, once... I always, I always divide the movie in two, because um, once you get on the boat in Jaws, you're, like, you're basically brought into just a world of just terror and action and insanity. Because, like, Quint is, like, slowly losing his mind once you get on that boat. And that's like pretty heavy when you're three. (laughs) Um, I'd I'd never met a, I had never been like presented with a character that would sabotage his own radio out of hubris (laughs) Um, in the face of almost certain death. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not super deep, but it's very interesting. Character-wise, um, I think there's a lot actually going on in Jaws, but it's more, I don't know, it's, 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 not, it's not a character film. There's great characters in the film, but it's not a, you know, you're not going to see fucking Michael Corleone go from being a soldier to the Godfather. <laughs> uh, oh. um, and also, like you said, this is like, it's Spielberg's, it's like his third or fourth movie, I think third. Um, and it's got some, it's, it's pampered with a lot of Spielberg touches, which is what helps make this film unique, but it doesn't have the full on Spielberg kind of heart that I think he came into in the eighties. He's still in very seventies filmmaker mode. I think his heart It's in it. I mean, there's the the, talking about scenes. There's the great scene with, uh, you know, Roy Scheider and his son, um, Brody. That's amazing. Where they're just, it's like, and literally, that, when you think about it, that scene does not need to be in the movie. But Spielberg was smart enough to put it in the movie because he understood that people would identify with it. And it would just add this layer to the Brody character that you really needed because otherwise he's kind of just like a law enforcement figure. And Spielberg finds all these ways to pamper in a real character and a real human being. And that's, just, and that's probably like one of the best examples of it. And of course, I also think the best Spielberg moment, I think like the purest Spielberg moment in the movie is actually the ending. Um, with not the shark blowing up, although of course that is a Spielberg moment. Um, but it's uh, Hooper coming back to the surface and then meeting up with uh, Brody again and them just kind of laughing. And then he goes Quint and they just say no. And it's like, can we get in on those? And it's very it's very subtle, and then they're just kind of going like, "Yeah, I used to hate the water. And that, that feels very Spielberg, just <laughs> that ending. Um, like, they went through hell, and they came out like that. So,
1: um, yeah. it's uh, These characters have, like, by that point, they have, like, this shorthand with one another. And, and I think that's because early on, Spielberg does such a good job of establishing who all these people are. like, like Again, not yeah. the deepest people in the world, not not the most, like, introspective characters, but uh, mm. he, he lets you care about people. He lets you in on this little community. Like, you don't know the ins and outs and everything, but you know how it works. You know that Summer's a big part of it, not just because they mm. say it, because they're clearly, like, a hustle and bustle <laughs> sort of town from the get-go at this movie. And it's, it's those little workings that make yeah. it all come together by the end. So you, you totally buy... When there's so many going off each other uh, at the end. uh, Oh, this movie is so good. Um, (laughs) There's just the,
0: the, the town populace, like it's almost Coen brothers in the weird, like minor characters that populate Amity Island from the mayor to the coroner, to the, you know, newspaper reporter, to just like the city council and they, like, it adds this like weird layer to Jaws that's like very funny. And I just want to talk about how great Mayor Vaughn is oh, as a villain. <laughs> um, and anyone out there, if you can get me Mayor Vaughn's jacket with the anchors, <laughs> I want that jacket. I can't find it anywhere. I think I'm going to have to get it like, custom made for like $1,000. But I will get it one day. When I, when I have money. <laughs> um, and, I mean, this movie also, I think, informed my political views. Because it's literally taught me about, like, corrupt politicians. <laughs> like, he's, he, he does everything he can to hide the fact that there's a shark attack. There's a shark problem. Just so he can keep the beaches open for the 4th of July. I mean, it's great. It's beautiful, but <laughs> that's why they're doing this. I mean, he's putting human lives in danger. And I was like, it's just a boating accident. I mean, that, that's even shorthand for, like, you know, bullshit. Because <laughs> um, it so is. Like, I mean, the girl's, like, been ripped up. Like, they have her arm. <laughs> they have a body that's clearly been mutilated, which we only see the arm. But it's implied that they have a body that's, like, fucking been ripped to shreds. And it's like, oh, but, you know, it's, it's a propeller, bo- boating accident. Happens all the time. <laughs> and... I mean, the, the, there's the reporter who's, like, also... You know, he's, like, kind of... also. That's one thing. The reporter uh, in this movie, um, Meadows, I think is the character's name, he's the... Uh, he's the co-writer of the movie.
1: Oh, I didn't know um, that. Carl
0: Gottlieb. Yeah, they, uh, Spielberg had these ideas about, like, you, you know, he had... Something he didn't. he's never really done since then. I, maybe it's just because his, his style became... So, such a part of filmmaking that we don't notice it, but he wanted to put like real, real people in his movie. So, like you know, the reporter is a real writer. Uh, A lot of the city council is the actual city council of Martha's Vineyard. Um, The doctor in it, who's the coroner, is a real doctor. Um, They're all real citizens. Like the like Ben Gardner, one of the greatest minor characters of all time. Um, who gives his little speech on the boat that no one understands, uh, it was an actual fisherman that Spielberg just found and thought he was funny and put him in the movie.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah.
0: it's, oh, it's all am- I mean, literally, I love all the the Amity characters.
1: <laughs> um, I think that's why Spielberg's movies always feel so uh, not realistic, but they feel authentic yeah. in a way that's like still cinematic and Still not our reality, but it feels like a reality yeah
0: it's very it's very, his films are very human and they feel mm-hmm. human um, just in like you know I, I think I actually think it was Luke George Lucas who said you could divide directors of the world into people who like people and people who don't and, think, and Spielberg likes people, and I think you can tell that with all his movies
1: i I really like. That Spielberg can take these B movie concepts, make them A grade movies, and still give them like humanity. He yeah. still have so much heart, and they're endlessly watchable for the most part. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so odd to me that, like, I don't know how you feel about it. I know people are pretty mixed in it, but like, the Lost World doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. like, at all. It, it that one feels like someone who doesn't like people.
0: Well, pretty. I think that was. Spielberg was in a weird transitional phase at that time. I mean, he was like in fucking... I think he was like gearing up for Saving Private Ryan. Or maybe he had... And I think he had just done Amistad, which is another bad Spielberg movie. Um, see, no one even remembers Amistad. I mean, it's not good. And uh, I think he was trying to... Because, I mean, after he did Schindler's List, he kind of became a completely different director. Um. And you know, I, I I think I think I think Lost World just got caught up in him being a very conflicted guy at the time. But then, by the time he goes to does do Minority Report, I think he knows what he's doing again. Um, because Minority Report is a great movie. I think the Lost World Jurassic Park is just a uh, was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time.
1: And even then, uh, there are still. I would go on to defend, like, individual set pieces from that, which Jaws has... It doesn't really have that many, although when they're on the boat, that's kind of one continuous one, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Well, no,
0: there's a, there's a few really great set pieces. I think the thing is that once you get on that boat, all the set pieces kind of just keep hitting you one after another, and it never lets up. So, because, I mean, there's all sorts of different shit with the barrels, um, and just... Then, like when they when they try and drag the shark, and the shark ends up dragging them. Yeah. Um, the shark going under the boat, uh, the cage sequence, um, all that on the but and also on shore. There's you know, the Chrissy Watkins scene. <gasps> Uh, the, the fucking idiots who tried to catch a shark with a ham.
1: Oh, I love that. I fucking uh, love that. Oh, yeah.
0: That might be the best... Honestly, in my opinion, that might be the best scene in the movie for the score. Um, when the, sh- the, the they're just out there and that chain just starts dragging and the, the whole dock gets ripped off. When the dock turns and starts heading back towards them the, the, the score like really lifts up and it's fucking awesome.
1: And uh, that is also just because they couldn't show the shark, and it's fucking oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. There was this
0: whole sequence that was supposed to be, like I think, a lobster fisherman who gets killed that they couldn't shoot because of uh, fucking the shark not working, so they came up with this whole scene. Like, they, just, they basically just improvised it.
1: Fuck it, we'll do um, it live.
0: Yeah, do it live. Actually, and that's part, part of why I think the town of Amity is so like interesting. Is because they were forced to shoot like like twice as many land scenes as they originally planned. Because all the ocean stuff wasn't working. So they were suddenly stuck shooting all these scenes where you know you have to see more of the town and you have to meet more of these characters. And there's all sorts of you can also find like tons of deleted scenes of like Quint just fucking around. Um, there's an amazing scene where Quint goes to an instrument store <laughs> um, because Quint. Um, in order to hunt, hunt sharks, uses a piano wire instead of fishing wire, and he also has he like buys clarinets because he knows like sharks will choke on them. Um, and he just and he basically just harasses this kid who's bad at playing the clarinet. <laughs> um, I, I and I'm one of those guys also like you know, there's all sorts of talk about like what is the the, the perfect cut. Of a movie, I'll watch any version of Jaws. There's extended versions that they sh- only show on television every now and then, and I'll watch that <laughs> with
1: added scenes that go nowhere. But I love Jaws enough that
0: I'll stick with it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, earlier you mentioned like uh, like the Brody family scene at the di- the dinner mm-hmm. table. Like for plot reasons, it doesn't need to be there, but it, it flushes out the people that we're following. And for a movie like mm-hmm. this, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. Who's your favorite character in Jaws? Well, easily it's Quint.
0: <laughs> I mean, Quint isn't just my favorite character in the movie. He's like my favorite movie character ever. Um, he's a good, great example of how to write, like, the ultimate badass, honestly. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, like, I hate, I, I probably shouldn't use the word badass because that has such, like, weird connotations these days as to what, like, badass is. But, like, I mean, think about his introduction to the movie. Just those nails on the chalkboard. Yeah. And he just gives, and, like, the whole room just shuts the fuck up. And he just, te- and he basically is the guy in the room, tells it like it is, basically. Um, and he's like, hey, if you'll pay me, I'll get this fucking shark. And you guys, and everyone in this room knows I can do it. <laughs> Because for some reason you let me hang around this town, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, they're just like, "Yeah, thanks, Quint." Like, like they're all kind of like they're in, they're all impressed but scared of him. And then, uh, you know, he becomes the guy who like we got to hire him to get the shark. He's basically like the Van Helsing, <laughs> the to Sharks, to the Jaws, as the Dracula. Um, <laughs> I mean, cause, and, then, like, and then you meet him, I mean, because you, you see him in that scene, and then you don't see him again for, like, like 40 minutes, I would say. He's gone for a huge chunk of this movie. Um, you get, like, you see him once on his boat, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then when you see him again, he's in his, you know, he's in his shack, like, making every demand he wants because he knows he can get everything out of the city now. <laughs> and he's got, you know, just shark jaws everywhere. And it's like, so this guy knows what he's doing. And then later you get on the boat. And I think uh, just an amazing scene is, you know, he's teaching Brody how to tie a knot. And, you know, he's got his, they're just chumming. And he's got his uh, line over. And, you know, just when it just gets pulled a little bit and he realizes he's got something. And he just slowly starts gearing up. (laughs) And you're like, this guy has everything planned. (laughs) Like, you know, he's got the straps. He's got the specific wire. He's got the thing. He's got the holster for his rod. That sounds a little weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he's just, he's got everything ready. And that makes it scarier when then the tables are turned and suddenly he's met the shark. He can't be, you know. He's the guy who's supposed to be able to handle anything, and now he's met his match. And that's what makes Jaws even more intimidating. Like, when he's frightened of the size of Jaws, you're frightened of the size of Jaws. And the movie's earned it by that point.
1: Would you say, because I'm just thinking about all this shit in the movie, and it's so so fucking good. And Mm. (laughs) Steven Spielberg directs the shit out of it. Uh, As your favorite Mm. movie ever, would you say this is the best directed Spielberg movie? Um, that's where it gets a little
0: weird. I mean,
1: or at least because my favorite, because
0: it's it's you know it. Jaws is my favorite movie, but it's also like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably better directed. because um, I mean, there's flaws in this movie. I've seen this movie enough that like I can see the flaws, but it, there's there's never anything calamitously flawed in it. Um, it's all just you know. Spielberg, it was his third movie, so there's like little hiccups in it. But it, those hiccups, I think, add to the movie. And I, and I'm also, I would, I'm of the opinion that Spielberg has only gotten better as a director. And you know, it'd be a little, it'd be kind of horrible. I, I bet you he doesn't like how often people talk about Jaws because it's like his third movie. <laughs> and I, I and, you know, to think that, you know, it's basically people go like, hey, you made Jaws, and then since then it's been downhill, like. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure he doesn't like feeling that way about any of his early work, because he's probably, you know, he made it, so he probably sees all the flaws in it. Um, it's like how like Tarantino talks about how he can't even look at Pulp Fiction anymore. <laughs> uh,
1: so, I didn't know that, actually. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why he's like, I, I, I read an interview with him where he's like, I can't do a commentary track for Pulp Fiction because I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... The elements of Jaws. It's just Jaws is like a lightning in a bottle movie. It's just a lot of elements coming together, and it's just fucking young and dumb Spielberg, which and I'm I'm saying young and dumb in like, you know, very, like I'm 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 saying that as a compliment because mm-hmm. it's it, it gives this film an energy that I'm, like let's say if you got, um, like if you got John Ford to direct Jaws. I don't know if he was still alive by 1975, but, you know, like a more classically trained director who is skilled and maybe at the top of their game, but they wouldn't have made Jaws. They would have made a different movie that wouldn't be as remembered. That would have been a good movie, maybe, but not have that, you know, newness that Jaws brings to it.
1: This is all a roundabout way of saying the BFG and Bridge of Spies were great and no one talks about it. Oh right yeah, away. I mean, yeah. basically, Lincoln yeah. is a great movie, and Lincoln's fucking great. Yeah, and Tintin and Warhorse is pretty good. Yeah, and his again, movies. Yeah.
0: He, he's Spielberg hasn't really made a movie that I would call a dud in a long time. I don't think.
1: I um, you know I don't know how fucking people are going to react to this, but I I don't even think Crystal Skull is like that bad. We, I think there are moments <laughs> that don't work, but. Yeah. Um, actually, I when I
0: said that statement, when I just said right now, I said I don't think Spielberg's made it done in a while. I'm like, oh yeah, he did do Crystal Skull. <laughs> I'm sorry, Crystal Skull is unbelievable. There's moments in Crystal Skull. I, I'm willing to say, like Crystal Skull isn't like all bad. It's not a Star Wars prequel, <laughs> um, but it's it's a bad movie. It's not good. There's moments, but it is not a good movie. Um so sorry, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, you're like, I mean, literally, Crystal Skull is so bad. <laughs> it's, it makes me nervous whenever Spielberg talks about doing another one. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you had told me that like 10 years ago, I'd be like, fuck you. The only person who can make Indiana Jones is Steven Spielberg. And now I'm like, I'd rather see Spielberg do another Tintin than another Indiana Jones.
1: I like Crystal Skull and I agree with that statement. I, I don't want another one. Yeah. I want more don't Tintin. Don't
0: do it don't do it Steve <laughs> I'll, I'll send it um, to him I have his email it, please Steve please have me over to your house so I can bother you for nine hours about how great Jaws is <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god um, I could literally go through every scene of this movie and tell you why it's brilliant <laughs>
1: <laughs> do a commentary
0: I would I, honestly if I could I would do my own commentary track for Jaws and it would just be, I mean, and it, I, I wouldn't, I would hopefully say more than just be like, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't want to Chris, I don't want to Chris Farley show the whole thing. But, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, because I mean, there are moments in it where you're like, fuck, you know, but you can try and get stuff out. Like, I mean, I just described Quint's whole gear up scene and just what that moment means to the movie and why it's important. I mean, it's, it's, the whole movie is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle of amazing scenes. And when it fits together, it makes it the greatest film of all time.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of amazing scenes, uh, you wanted to bring up specifically the Indianapolis scene.
0: Yeah, that's the, the uh, that's the ultimate scene in this movie. Um, for one, uh, the actual Indianapolis speech was not written by, uh, Carl Gottlieb, although Carl Gottlieb kind of, there's a little bit of debate about who wrote the Indianapolis speech. Um, but according to, I'm going to take Spielberg's word for it. Um, I don't know why he would make it up, but the Indianapolis speech was like like a paragraph in the original script, which was written by a guy named Howard Sackler, who went uncredited for this movie. Um, and then Carl Gottlieb rewrote the script, and Spielberg even did a draft. And then Spielberg uh, felt that This movie was kind of territory he wasn't familiar with. Spielberg was not, you know, Spielberg's a suburban kid. And he's not a movie about, you know, hard like men going out into the ocean braving the elements. But his buddy, John Milius, was. And he literally just kept inviting Milius to the set of Jaws just to get like pointers. And uh, um, Milius, do you know who John Milius is? I do not. John Millie is. Oh my God! John Millie is one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. Um, he wrote *Dirty Harry*. Oh. Um, and he directed uh Conan the Barbarian* and oh. *Red Dawn*. Um, and and uh, dozens of other. And I bet like uh, he's uh, not dozens. He's written like dozens of movies uncredited. But any movie that has like a great speech in it from like the eighties and seventies, he had something to do. With. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wrote like all of Sean Connery's speeches in The Hunt for Red October. Oh fuck. And he's the basis for Walter in the Big Lebowski.
1: Oh my god, that's amazing. So yeah. Um
0: and he's a real he's a real fascinating character. There's a documentary about him called Milius, check it out. Um and he's a real uh, he's a real nutty guy. <laughs> and is obsessed with like war and warfare and the elements. so he gave Spielberg like all these books about like hunting and like the ocean to, you know, get Spielberg in the frame of mind to make the movie. And as Spielberg said, Hey, I think there's a, there's a moment in this Indianapolis speech. So he went, he he asked Milius to write a speech. And I guess Milius went and wrote like, you know, like a 13 page (laughs) speech. Um, which like over the phone, like I believe he wrote it over the phone, like and sent it through like a fax machine, like on like little post-its. And he wrote like this whole amazing speech and Spielberg loved it, but of course it was too long. And so he gave, so Spielberg gave the speech to, uh, Robert Shaw, who plays Quint. Um, and Shaw said, I love it, but I got to pare it down. So Shaw then pared it down to the version you see in the movie. Um, so that's just all the workings that go into the actual speech itself, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, but, all right, so we have to talk about this whole scene, right? Yes, do it. Um, so this is after the first day of fighting the shark, which didn't exactly go very well. Um, they kind of had conflicts. They, you know, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Brody is convinced they need a bigger boat. Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: yes. that, that line is fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about... We'll go back to that scene, but uh, so... And Brody's injured. He hit his head at some point. Um, and so it starts out, you know, they start comparing scars that they all have. You know, Brody's like, oh, that's not permanent, so Quinsky, you know, he's got a missing tooth. His arm's all fucked up because he lost an arm wrestling competition. Um, both Quint and Hooper have been bitten or scraped by sharks. uh, And they're just getting drunker as the speech is going. Um, And there's also a great moment. No one picks up on this. I hear so little talking about it, and I don't know why. But while they're comparing scars, Hooper and Quint, they cut to Brody for like a second, and he looks at a scar that's on his lower stomach, but doesn't say anything. And I think, I think that's like, because remember Brody is a city cop that moved to the small town to get away from how bad the city was. And I think it's like, you know, he was shot or stabbed maybe in the line of duty. And, but he feels like he doesn't like, he feels like that's somehow not the same as their injuries. And he feels inadequate because of that. And maybe that was the injury that made him quit. And I think there's that plays a lot into his character. It's not. It's never really addressed after that moment. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have to watch that scene. Watch it. it you'll notice what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, also, uh, one other side note: Robert Shaw, one of the, uh, was unfortunately a major alcoholic. Um, and he was convinced that he needed to do the Indianapolis scene drunk, and I guess they tried that. At some point, and it was a disaster. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, Um, and I think I'm like like fuck up all his lines, like break. He fucked up all his lines. He just didn't deliver them right. You know, I think he got really. There's stories about how aggressive he was with uh, Richard Dreyfuss whenever he was drunk. Um, Like I mean, there are I I think I'm not saying he. It's impossible that he was never drunk while making this. So there are scenes in this movie where he had to be drunk, but the Indianapolis speech he was too drunk for um and I think it would i honestly think that was his alcoholism you know he was using he was using the Indianapolis speech as an excuse to drink more, which is a little sad yeah uh, I mean because Royce Sch- i mean not Roy Sch- uh uh fucking Robert Shaw was one of the greatest actors ever that was taken from us too soon, I mean. He's in this, he's in The Sting, and he's in fucking From Russia with Love. He did like a hand, uh, fucking A Man for All Seasons, he did like a handful of great performances in movies. And he should have had a longer career. And it's unfortunate. And this is the scene that kind of, you know, also not nominated for an Oscar for this fucking movie. So fuck you, Academy. Because um, he gives, so, alright, so they're comparing the scars, of course. And Hooper's making a joke about his broken heart. <laughs> and then Brody goes, like, hey, what's that? He's like, and Quint just tries to, you know, Quint doesn't want to talk about it. It's like, it's a tattoo, I got it removed. And Hooper makes a, an innocent joke about it being a tattoo that says Mother on it. And watch, watch that scene. I want everyone to be watching this while I'm describing it. <laughs> watch how hard... Quint grabs Richard Dreyfus, and then says that was the Indianapolis and then like you know it gets real quiet and um, you know that the Indianapolis is a real thing right yes Um, which was not it was only a recently declassified event in US military history because our military covered it up because they basically fucked up and let all these men die um, and get fucking ripped apart by sharks, Uh, which really did happen. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Um, And, you know, Robert Shaw just goes into this speech that is so unnerving and frightening. It's like a ghost story, you know, except it was a thing that really happened. Which is, that I think kind of sums up Jaws in its way because it's a monster movie, but it's a monster that kind of exists.
1: And, and that makes I mean, you it get all the more horrifying.
0: Yeah, and you get like, you know, the classic, you know, it's like black eyes, like a doll's eye. And, I, you know, I can't do the whole fucking speech, but, uh, the like, stuff he describes, there's a bit that he describes about uh, his buddy. Um, he thinks he's sleeping and he goes to wake him up and he'd been bitten in half below the waist by sharks. And that really happened to someone on the Indianapolis. Um, so yeah, so these, so you go through that whole speech, you know, and it basically, and then, and I mean, and then you bring in the fact that it's connected to the atomic bomb. I mean the reason the in Indianapolis was you know not it, it was a top secret mission to deliver the bomb that was going to be dropped on the Japanese and that just it's it's a weird like 70s kind of reevaluation of World War II in the middle of this like monster movie <laughs> and it's and I mean it's fucking so intense and dark and you get a real deep look into why you know, Quint is driven to just kill any shark he sees. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura So He swung in low and he saw us, he was a young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway. He saw us and he come in low and three hours later, a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out, the sharks took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. And, and then he finished anyway, it with the greatest line ever, which is like, Anyway, we, we delivered the bomb. bomb. And then, after this whole speech is done, they just start singing. Like, you know, they're just drunk singing fucking a sea shanty. <laughs> and then after that, they get attacked by the shark. Like, that's the most amazing sequences of scenes ever <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> and then that sequence ends with a real shooting star passing by Roy Scheider's head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that... That... that, that that chunk of the movie turns this, makes this movie fucking biblical. <laughs> like it goes to a whole nother level after that moment. Um,
1: so yeah, so that's why that scene is, is, is really good and flawless and just fucking launches this movie into the stratosphere. Yeah. I mean, fuck you don't, That's
0: like a moment, that's one of those moments, I mean, the only other scene I can think of that I remember watching and feeling that way about was the coin flip scene in No Country for Old Men. Like, the first time that scene happened was like, you're like, what fucking planet are we on? (laughs) And then, like, so I think it has, it has that sort of staying power. Like, after that, this whole, like, it just puts the, the movie in a whole new frame. There's, there's my speech on the Indianapolis speech.
1: <laughs> I, I don't have a speech that can match that.
0: Well, what I, cause like I said, I could talk about any scene in the movie, and I could like, I- extrapolate like, why it's amazing. Um, what scenes do you really like in Jaws?
1: Mine's always been the dinner scene with Brody and his son. Just because mm-hmm. it's, uh, mm-hmm. Spielberg's characters have this shorthand that they, they feel familiar but they're familiar enough to us like as an audience that we can understand why they're communicating the way they are. Like you yeah. mentioned at the end when they're just like, Quint, no, uh, like, you're just like, there's, there's no real conversations. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just kind of glances and, and body movement. And specifically the, the mm-hmm. diner scene is just body movement. The kid's just mimicking his dad who is having a really rough day because the mayor's fucking Mm -hmm. shit up and letting people die for money and no one's listening to him and it's just this really beautiful sequence of just him, his family being there for him specifically Mm -hmm. his son and that shows the relationship so well between them, you know, he's just this little kid but he loves his dad so much and Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand what he's going through but Mm -hmm. he's still there for him and it's, it really makes him feel whole, it makes him feel tangible Mm -hmm. And we've known them for, like, half an hour up to that point. Yeah, I would say.
0: Maybe a little longer than that. But and I, but you, and feel, I mean,
1: you, you feel so comfortable.
0: And you're talking about the familiarity of it. It does remind me of, like, me and my dad when I was younger. I mean, my dad had those days where he would just come home, you know? Mm-hmm. And never, like, not angry, but you could tell, like, he was tired. And you notice it when you're a kid. And I mean, that's that scene has a lot of truth to it, that I don't think sometimes people don't want to say because they want to just say, Oh, it's, you know, popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fucking also it is, I, I would continue the dinner scene into when Richard Dreyfuss shows up and then <laughs> Brody's just getting hammered <laughs> 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 off a of line. Um, and then we learn a lot about, you know, Hooper after that, um, where he talks about his kind of funny <laughs> adventure with a shark that made him love sharks. Um, which is a great little moment in the
1: movie. I love Hooper. Like, Mm. Quentin's great. Everyone knows Quentin's great, but I love Hooper. He's not like a wacky comedic relief character. Like, he's a legitimate person in the movie, but he he adds a a sort of, like, levity to it because he loves the ocean. He loves sharks, even though his mission in the movie is to to basically kill this one. Yeah. He doesn't start off that way, but it ends up becoming that. And it's just nice to have someone who's, like, like, even for a movie that ended up spawning a bunch of interest in shark killing across the globe. Like, there's a character here who, like, adores the species, you know, so yeah. it's not, like, anti-shark.
0: And a lot, I think as many people who walked out wanting to kill sharks, I think more walked out who were just fascinated by sharks. And I think Hooper is a lot of that,
1: you know? Yeah, totally.
0: Um, because, yeah, I mean, I, as a kid, he was the character I liked the most. Um, maybe because his name was also Matt. <laughs> um, but uh, but he was like you know, and I, I think a lot of the humor also comes between the antagonism between him and Quint, which was a you know real, uh, basically. I mean, uh, Richard Dreyfus was like a massive ego on the set, and you know, uh, fucking Robert Shaw just fucking harassed him every chance he got. <laughs> oh, okay. So,
1: I, I want to talk about Quint's death, and uh, uh, okay, and uh, we're gonna need a bigger boat because you wanted to go okay. back to that. Um, yes, but also one other scene to definitely go back to.
0: Um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do a couple in rapid succession, real quick. Let's do it. Um, just because it's through my head. Um, the part, <laughs> the part when they catch the wrong shark, mm. and you know the uh, the guys, the fucking schlubby guys who caught it are like, what kind of shark is it? And Hooper goes, tiger shark. And then the guy almost looks directly into the camera and goes, a what? <laughs> I just want to single that guy out. Because <laughs> that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so there's that. And then um, Ben Gardner's head popping out of the boat. Uh, which is, you know, you know that scene, of course, right? Yeah, under the water. Which is filmed in the editor of the film's pool. What? Um, Let's talk about reshoots, kids. (laughs) Um, The first cut of this movie had that scene where Ben Gardner's head pops out and they fucked up their timing and it didn't really get a reaction when Spielberg showed it to an audience. So Spielberg said, fuck it, I want to redo that. And they didn't really, you know, they couldn't go all the way back to fucking Martha's Vineyard to reshoot it. So, and they couldn't really get access to a tank on the studio lot. So they just went to the editor Verna Field's pool. Filled it with milk to make it look a little more oceany, <laughs> And then just reshot that whole scene.
1: And so reshoots aren't always bad, kids. Um, and a lot of, sometimes movies even uh, work it just into the budget and the time schedules. Yeah, you know, so if it it's what motivates a reshoot
0: that you need to look at. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just reshoots. There's that uh little moment and then of course uh all right, so you know, we can talk about the bigger boat uh moment, but there's a moment uh beforehand where Brody's son is almost killed. Um and there's that guy in the dinghy who gets his leg bit off. Oh yeah. And that's the first time you, ca- you kind of see the shark. You, you, you don't see it up to that point. And there's this image of it. I think it's the best image of the shark in the movie. Even better than it popping out and scaring the shit out of Roy Scheider. Which is you just see it like very briefly under the water for a second and then the guy gets pulled under. You know the image I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about when it breaks the surface. That's later.
1: No, no, there's, a, see, happens there's like- a little moment when it's under the water still. I and mean, then they cut right to the guy, right? Yeah,
0: that mm-hmm. image is still scary. <laughs> that's a very scary-looking image of a shark. And that's when you see how big it is. And you're kind of caught off guard by it. Um, it's one of the best scenes in the movie, and it was a scene that was, was also a reshoot. Um, because the original sequence involved that guy being dragged by the shark and dragging uh, Brody's kid and almost killing Brody's kid and Spielberg thought the scene was too violent um, and cut mm-hmm. it and said it was too unpleasant for the movie. Oh, okay. Um, so he changed yeah,
1: there, it. Yeah, because there's... This movie's pretty violent. Like, mm-hmm. like right before that, the kid gets fucking eviscerated on the beach.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A fucking kid yeah. gets killed in this movie.
1: yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of blood, like mm. a lot. But I kind of there's a
0: geyser what... of blood shooting out of the water in that scene. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, so talk about unpleasant. But I kind of get what he's saying. I, I just think it was the way
0: you know would have it would have changed the dynamic of it. Um, yeah. So and I mean and he replaced it with a dude's leg getting bitten off. So
1: that's pretty violent. Yeah. Um, I guess but, the, uh, yes. the idea of like some other person like maybe not mean spiritedly, but like dragging the kid along underwater with him. Mm. Like I, I kind of get his mentality there.
0: Yeah. And I, and honestly, I I also think part of the motivation might've been that it, it's just not a great idea. I mean, even trying to describe it, you're like, why would that be in this movie?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, so uh, maybe he could have made it work, but, and there's only a cut. You can find like deleted footage of it. You can even find, uh, Footage of them trying to get the shark to work when Alex Kittner, the kid, is killed. Um, It was supposed to pop out of the water there, too, and it didn't work. Uh, So you can find some images of it somewhere. And thankfully, they changed it because it's much scarier the other way around. And let's just talk about, there's that heartbreaking moment of, you know, everyone running out of the water. And, like, you know, the fear kind of dying down. And the one mother has to realize her kid didn't come out. Oh, it's so sad. Like, that's a heavy moment. Um, and then cut to, now there's a bounty on the shark, which I didn't know you could place. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what the legal standing of that is, but whatever. Um, is that $3,000 on the shark in cash or check? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and then, um, so let's get, I guess we should get to uh, the... We need, we're gonna need a bigger bow
1: yeah oh we well, want talk about this, about this scene yeah but we didn't even mention the that that uh fuck what is it the zoom oh on, yeah on yeah space, which is just on um, the hitchcock zoom oh it's so good uh, every time i see that i kind of just like lean a little forward and mm-hmm. i've like recompose myself like every time that scene gets me it's not scary it's not shocking it's just mm-hmm. It really does pull me in more. And, oh, so fucking good.
0: You know what? Fuck it. I got to talk about that whole scene now. <laughs> Do it. Um, because, all right, so that's the scene that's the follow-up to Brody's been talked out of closing the beaches, right? Yeah. Um, and we've had that whole – that's there's that great sequence of them trying to get the signs and doing all that shit and everyone – and the town just kind of waking up and the mayor getting – like, just getting his forces together to combat uh, the out-of-town sheriff, the non-Islander. Um, and so, like, he's been, he, he's saying it's a boating accident, but he doesn't believe that. Because, fuck, of course it's not. <laughs> um, and he's just sitting there watching that beach, you know, waiting for it to happen. Like, he knows it's, it was something bad's out there. He knows there's a shark out there. And he's not saying anything. And Spielberg did that thing, you know, where the kids, I, everyone knows this, where the kids are walking in front of the camera in the different bathing suits. And that's how they do the shot, reverse shots on what he's watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get his point of view, um, and you just get like you know that slow but like he knows something's about to happen. It's basically the ultimate nightmare moment for him because he knows there's a shark out there, but he's not admitting it to himself yet. And then it happens. So, just a great moment in the
1: movie. You know, I hear that movie has a couple of them.
0: Yeah, um, pretty much every scene. <laughs> Fuck! And now I want to talk about how the the scene where the mayor, like, corners, uh, fucking Brody, is when they're on like that ferry. Oh, you know, that's. They, huge. Like, they park the. Like, okay. who thought to film that there? That's fucking
1: awesome. And um, it's just one static shot, but it's not static because yeah. the background's constantly changing. And oh, it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, like just the, the most brilliant one
0: ever. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, that whole scene.
1: Movies are fucking cool.
0: Yeah, and even then, and then, before that is the scene when Brody gets the call about it being a shark attack, and you just see that close-up of him typing shark attack. And then him reacting to that. And that's when, like, you know, the movie kicks up to another level. And that is before the scene when they find the body, but they don't show the body. <laughs> I mean, and you just hear that whistle. Like, you know, and, fuck, this movie's so good.
1: The deputy's just on the sand, just like oh shit,
0: and then the deputy just threw up all over himself. Yeah. Um, oh my god, this movie. Um, and even that has the great scene where it's fucking <laughs> he, he wakes up at you know in the morning, like it's just a really simple scene. Uh, just I mean the yad, not too fast, and the car. <laughs> He's trying to do it with a an Islander accent, um, and that's a great little moment. Um, and his kid. I fucking I hate his kids, but um, <laughs> uh, when his kid like tries to be all cute, saying he got bit by a vampire, even though he hurt his hand on the swing. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So yeah, yeah there's great teeth here. A couple of them. And awesome.
0: and fuck. And then that makes me think of the scene where you know uh, his kids playing in the boat, and his mom's like, and he's like, get out of the boat, get out of the boat, and. Uh, his wife's like, hey, don't be mean to them. <laughs> like, hey, you know, they had a rough day. They saw a kid murdered today. And he's like, oh, I don't mean to And then the wife sees that picture of a shark attacking the boat. <laughs> and, and, then, like, yeah, and then she's like, get out of the boat. And that is another brilliant scene because we haven't seen the shark yet, right? And this is 1970. A lot of people aren't familiar with what a shark really is. I mean, they, you know, you have like a vague idea. But you're not, like, an expert. Like, people today are, like, the average person is an expert compared to fucking the 70s. Um, so there's the scene of Brody looking through all the books, and you only see, like, the victims. And you see, you know, the remains of real shark attacks. And that puts into your head what a shark can do. And you even see for, like, half a second an oxygen tank in a shark's mouth. So that scene later doesn't seem as ridiculous when it happens. Did I mention that this is the greatest film ever made? <laughs> god damn!
1: Coughing, you did, yeah, yeah. Oh my god,
0: I love this fucking movie. <laughs>
1: I think we should close um, out though. so we end on a high note. But let's talk about we're going. We still to have a couple
0: book. scenes we still need to discuss. We have like at least four scenes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, all right. You talk about the bigger boat scene. I want to hear your angle before I go somewhere <laughs> with it. Well,
1: I don't, I don't have that big of a spiel on it. I just think it's, this, it's the first big revelation to the audience of the shark.
0: After this, yeah. they
1: show it a couple more times, and they're, they're not as stingy with it. Obviously, it's like it was on purpose, but mm. uh, cinematically, it, it feels more open to it like now you've seen Mm. it now it's it's just here on out it's just bam boom pow bam, bam. it doesn't stop and Mm. a lot of movies do that now the monster movies uh even godzilla gareth edwards godzilla does that when after it starts showing godzilla it's it's less uh stingy with that too obviously totally Mm -hmm. different context there for that sort of monster movie yeah Um, but after that it's it's one of the first like holy shit moments I ever experienced in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the, the whole edge of your seat thing. That one gets, mm. got me to stand up from my seat. Like, I, I you always hear, like, oh, this movie will grab you by the edge of your seat, and yada, yada. That, that's that's the first moment to, like, actually get me to react, like, in a big way, mm. like, <gasps> gasp, mm. and just, like, in awe <laughs> of what movies are capable of. If you see
0: it with an audience, they still scream oh, when hi, it yeah. pops out.
1: Um, and Mine of course, got, you know, got a lot of gasps.
0: Yeah, and uh, the bigger boat line is—I'm um, sure you might know—is an improvised line. Um, everyone loves the, talking
1: about lines that are improvised. This is actually yeah, one of them, though. Yeah, it's one of the
0: greats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but although when we say improvised, it means Roy Scheider suggested it on the set, and then everyone knew what he was going to say when he said it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. uh, I want to clarify improvised lines too, because yeah, I think people mistake that they just do it mm. on camera for the first time. And when you're prepping for like to make a movie, you gotta go through everything. I Mm. mean, sure, I'm sure some things just like pop out once in a while, but those usually end up on the blooper reel. Yeah. So it's it's not like he just made it up and he's like a genius. Like he brought it up. They practiced with it and then they shot it. If
0: you're good, if you know, good
1: directors talk to their
0: actors. <laughs> and I think that's actually something a lot of directors don't do today, which is so weird, but um, yeah. And, and then the moment to me that like, I still think it's, it gets a lot of like, I wouldn't say gasp, but you can feel the stillness of the reaction is once after he says, we, we're going to need a bigger boat, And then they come out to look at it. That's when you get the first glimpse as to just how big the shark is. And that's pretty scary. It's like the size of the bow, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And you get, you know, 25, three tons on them. And that boat so, feels a lot smaller after that. Yeah, su- suddenly you're not as, you know, confident that these guys can take this thing. And then we get, you know, introduced to the whole barrel sequence, um, which is a brilliant way to not show the shark. Mm-hmm. You just see those
1: barrels and get scared. And then it just keeps rising, that tension. It just keeps, like, mm-hmm. going to a boiling point.
0: And I mean, and the fact that, like, we're, you know, we're
1: told the idea of,
0: you know, the barrels are supposed to keep the shark to the surface, and the shark can go under with three barrels. It can't stay under, but it can go under, which just drives home how strong it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Quint basically saying he's never seen anything like that.
1: Which makes it all the more horrifying. It's like they set up these rules when they're out Mm in the cat and mouse game with the shark, but, and they're, they're breaking them, but it's not, like, suspense- Of disbelief or whatever. It it is. Yeah, no suspense
0: shattering. I mean, suspension, yeah, of disbelief shattering.
1: It it is, but it's on the movie's own terms still. And it makes it scarier instead of like, all right, come on. Like every once in a while you get that with the movie, you're just like, oh, this is too much for even me. You got to roll your eyes. But there, it's in context of the movie, and just makes it fucking unsettling. Yeah, and it just helps.
0: It just leaves this constant escalating tension. It's just amazing
1: um just everything they're throwing at it it just like it either outsmarts them or just yeah power
0: through it yeah all of quinn's tricks aren't working um and he I knows they're not working but he but he can't admit it so he destroys the radio <laughs> um, which i mean i mean I, I was just thinking about this the other day was like just watching as a kid i had never been introduced to like you know a character like that that would do something that crazy <laughs> It's, it, it opens up a lot of windows in your mind when you're a kid, when you see something like that. So, yeah, just a brilliant little moment in a mm-hmm. sea of brilliant moments.
1: And then um, Quint fucking also gets eviscerated. Well, one
0: scene before that, which is the uh, cage scene, um, where Hooper has to go in the cage, which is not a great moment, honestly. Um, it's, it's actually, I, I would say, just having seen it, if I had to stack up the scenes of the movie, it's an important moment, but it's kind of one of the weaker moments of the movie. Um, but I would, seeing I the definitely shark, definitely agree to that. But seeing the shark rip through the cage is a little scary. Um, and it looks better than it has any right to, uh, <laughs> considering how bad that robot shark was. <laughs> um, and it's a mixture of, you know, real and fake. And what happened was... When they were, they, they, they had this idea of, you know, you, they couldn't get the robot shark to break up the cage in a realistic way. And Hooper was supposed to die in that scene. Um, the, the sharks was supposed to break up the cage and kill him. Um, but uh, so they, they built a miniature cage and went to Australia and filmed with real sharks. So, and they put a, a little person in the cage. And that person was supposed to be in there when a shark attacked the cage, but they couldn't really get the sharks to attack the cage. Like, no one really understood that, you know, sharks don't really do that. (laughs) Um, But while it was just hanging over the side of the boat and cameras were running, uh, a shark swam by and got stuck in the ropes. And started breaking up the cage, like, freaking the fuck out. And that's where you get that great footage of the shark breaking up the cage.
1: Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and
0: I mean, and there's a little bit, there's some flaws in it because if you look, you can see that that shark is breaking the surface of the water. Um, And then when they cut to the reverse shots of Brody, like you see no commotion on the on the water surface. You just see the rope getting, you know, yanked. Uh, And I mean, and then of course it's a pretty great looking moment. A fucking, and, and the one thing we kind of glossed over is this movie has a lot of great underwater photography, which was new at the time. Um, kind of it, it gives a weird alien kind of quality to certain moments, mm-hmm. particularly the opening shot, which we got to say the opening of this movie is the POV of Jaws.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never really. Which is a
0: pretty awesome thing and and spooky cuz you know the ocean floor kind of looks like an
1: alien planet in a way makes it all the more unsettling mm. oh and uh, when i rewatched this last year i forgot like just how well shot it is not that like not that it's mm. just pretty or that it's uh i know no that it is pretty it's striking especially in that opening yeah. track right at dusk that that scene shot and it's just I don't know, I don't, I don't really catch a lot of Spielberg's filmography as, like, pretty. I mean, I guess that's yeah. what the BFG, like, is. And there's more to making, like, uh, good cinematography than just, like, how pretty it is. But Josh, Josh is, is very pretty to look at. Yes. And um, I just like that. That's super- I think, I think Bill
0: Butler was the
1: cinematographer. I could be wrong. Um, I'll look it up real quick. I think you're right. Yeah, Bill Butler.
0: Yeah, and he had to make he, he had to make special cameras for the footage um, to shoot underwater, and I think at one point they they lo- they almost lost like half the footage because they were on the boat when it sank. <laughs> um, the boat the boat accidentally sank when it wasn't supposed to, um, and there was actually two boats: one that was built to sink and one that wasn't. And the one that wasn't built to sink started sinking, um, and. Uh, they, everyone almost died. Um, <laughs> and the guy, one of the guys, like, just lost his mind and basically took over the boat and just drove it into the beach, basically, to save the boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a, you, you got to watch the documentary. Spielberg tells a great story about that moment. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, and the real Orca, let's just, uh, t- you know, some film trivia. The real Orca was on the Universal Studio backlot for years. Um, and it was you know right where Jaws would pop out on the studio tour. So you, you could see the real Orca, the boat. Um, and Spielberg, whenever he was getting ready for a new project, would kind of go there and like meditate, you know because um, he has a weird relationship with Jaws because it made his career, but it was also like one of the biggest nightmares of his life. <laughs> um, and then one day he showed up and the boat wasn't there. And he called up someone at the sea of being like, hey, where's the boat? And the guy on the other end said, oh, it was a little rusty, so we scrapped it. Oh. And Spielberg said, I wouldn't want to be the guy on the other end of the phone that day. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, because it's Steven Spielberg, he got everyone fired. <laughs> <laughs> He's like king of Hollywood. He got everyone fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what happened to the Orca, unfortunately. That's too bad um but yeah so uh i guess now we should talk about Quint dying yeah let's do that um probably one of the most brutal deaths in any film
1: yeah especially because after he's been set up to be you know like top tier shark hunter man and then obviously everything's not working when he's actually trying it out on jaws of it just makes his death hit that much harder Mm. Like he's not necessarily a likable character. He doesn't have like he, mm. I don't care about him. Like I care about Brody, but he's super interesting.
0: Yeah, I'd want to hang out with him maybe at a bar, but I wouldn't want to be on his boat. <laughs> 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 um, but but yeah, and I mean for all right, for one thing, this is a you know pretty gritty movie. Kind of, it's got some seventies grit to it, and a fucking shark jumps out of the water onto a boat in it. <laughs> yeah. It fucking leaps out of the water.
1: <laughs> At least it and it's roar. a roar. Sh- it,
0: it, it does roar once in this movie. Does it? I've never... I've never uh, un- unfortunately. Um, it's right before they shoot it with like the third barrel. <laughs> um, it pops out of the water, and there's a bit of a roar, but it's also kind of a mix of... Uh, it's like just the sound of the water coming out, but it's, it's kind of a roar. Um, but it jumps out, and honestly... I, I don't know, maybe it's subjective, because I grew up with like you know, a lot of cheesy monster movies, but you never, like, when that happens, you're not like, that looks stupid. Like, it looks fucking good when that shark jumps out.
1: No, it does, and the movie has you in such a, a place by this point already, that it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could, you could do some more goofy shit with it, because it is kind of goofy, but it doesn't hmm. look it, and the movie fucking sells it.
0: Yeah. And then talk about when... You know, Quint sliding down that thing just to this fucking waiting maw of this giant shark, and then to just hear that bite when it bites him—I mean, holy fuck! This is a PG movie, by the way.
1: (laughs) Um, I I think it'd be a little harder rating nowadays. Would would not happen in this day and age. No, Um, and especially because the blood is really red. Like Oh, oh it's fucking
0: so red. <laughs> um, and Quint fucking picks up the machete that he stabbed into the side of the boat earlier and is stabbing the shark in the face as he's dying.
1: And it doesn't do shit. It doesn't, but it's like,
0: even then he's still fighting. And he's screaming in a way that the only other thing I can think to is, spoilers, but when Sonny gets shot in The Godfather. Oh, and Sonny, like, screams, like, to the point where he's like, it's basically a scream of, I know I'm dead, just let me die. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the, in defiance of the fucking universe, a scream. And that's what Quint sounds like going down. And then you basically hear the sound of him getting bit in half and he spits out blood. And, and then he's dragged scream, under. When
1: his scream just stops. It's not like sound cutting. I mean, it it is obviously sound cutting out, but it's not like um, the audio track just stops. It's he doesn't even get a last breath. His last breath is a scream. Yeah. Just, that silence afterwards is really <laughs> jarring and unsettling. It just sits mm. with you as he gets dragged under the water.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And then you're, and that's the fate of everyone if Brody doesn't kill it after that. Yeah. Uh, which leads into the you know.
1: You son of a
0: he doesn't really say it, but he kind of says it. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it's the movie version of Son of a Bitch, where to get it past the censors they possibly (laughs)
0: can't. Well, I quoted this movie as a kid um, just because, I mean, I was still learning to talk, basically. I'm still learning to talk. I have a fucking mush mouth. But, uh, so I would just, as a kid, I just imitated whatever I heard. So I would imitate, not only would I imitate all the lines in Jaws, the VHS copy I had as a kid had a mini documentary about the making of before the movie. And so I would imitate that documentary, too. And I would say words. I didn't know what they meant, but I would just say them because I could. And so in order for me not to say, smile, you son of a bitch, a thousand times as a three-year-old, my dad convinced me that he said, smile, you son of a gun.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll be talking about the entire Jaws series for the rest of Shark Week. All Mm. three of the sequels. Yep. And, uh but just the fucking
0: drop-off in quality is pretty massive.
1: (laughs) They need to get worse, but it's, like, astronomical how much they get worse from each other.
0: (laughs) It's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, part of it is that, you know, the first one is so great, so that kind of gives the second one a lot of leeway. Yeah. But then three and four are just like, wow.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think... Thanks for
0: joining... Me talking over Diego for an hour and 90, 90 minutes or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I think that wraps it up for for Jaws
0: part one. Anyway. And I've only t- I and I'm threatening the world because I've only expensed about a tenth of what I could say <laughs> about Jaws. I could go on forever, um, because it is the best movie ever made. Because oh my god, I,
1: I can't really argue against that. Uh, it's it's not even my favorite Spielberg movie, but. Fuck if it's not close.
0: It's not even my favorite Spielberg movie, but it is my
1: favorite movie. (laughs) I somehow understand what you're talking about. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it's movies are weird and subjective, so And thanks for letting me
0: do this because I threw this idea out to you because I really wanted to talk about (laughs) Jaws.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean uh I don't keep up with Shark Week anymore, but just the idea of the world coming together for a week to celebrate and be horrified of sharks is awesome. So what better time to do this than now Yeah.
0: know tune in next week <laughs> same shark time same shark channel
1: actually by the time this comes out it will just be back to back days so yeah of course uh matt really quick won't. where can okay.
0: then people find you i am at emperor otn at twitter.com
1: that's it all right that's, yeah you fuck can, off people <laughs> Diego Waffles on Twitter, President Diego. uh, Check out our Alien Retrospective, which started this retrospective series of retrospectives that Matt and I are going to be doing. Eventually, we'll get back to the Alien and Predator stuff, Uh, but Predator doesn't come out until next summer, so we got time.
0: Yeah, you thought we were going to talk about AVP, but fuck you. We're going (laughs) to put that off as long as possible.
1: Fuck yeah. I said (laughs) we're just going to crunch down on this shit. Oh my god, there's still three more. Yeah, hey. Uh, um, back give me a funny closing out thing uh shut the fuck up cat <laughs> so you hear unpro- this fucker playing unprofessional
0: <laughs> fucking cat <laughs> I'm trying to run oh i quit! i can't hold it hurry i it off None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws.
1: Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Jaws. See it before you go swimming.